Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who have experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are talking about using faith as a healing tool. My name is Emily Mitchell. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today, I have returning Diana Oakley. Diana uses she, her pronouns and is a professional speaker, mentor, and author. She is a member of Reigns Speakers Bureau, which is Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network, as well as the Victim Service Center of Central Florida's Speakers Bureau. Diana is currently attending Valencia College to pursue a degree in nursing, where she aspires to be a sexual assault nurse examiner or SANE. She has been the featured speaker for churches, law enforcement agencies, victims advocate groups, universities, and other businesses and organizations who work to bring public awareness of sexual assault and the effects it has on its victims. Diana, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Emily. Absolutely. And I also have returning, actually, Johnny Kramer. Johnny uses he, him pronouns and has been working in mental health since 2013. Johnny has been a victim advocate and crisis counselor with the Victim Service Center for going on three years now. And Johnny has a passion for empowering others to overcome the traumas or difficulties afflicting them and to find their own road to recovery. So Johnny, thank you as well for returning and being here today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Awesome. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you both. And as a brief introduction, on this podcast, we talk a lot about healing after trauma and how individualized that journey is. And so on this episode, we are joined by, once again, one of our amazing volunteers and speakers bureau members, Diana, who will be highlighting the role Faith had in her story. So with that in mind, Diana, can you start us off talking a little bit about your book, Intended Harm, and what you would like to share with the audience about your story? Yes. Um, Intended Harm is my memoir about how I was kidnapped and sexually assaulted by a stranger when I was 17 years old. In the book, I talk about how it happened and how it impacted my life. But more importantly, I talk about how I found peace and finally learned to forgive. 
And I think what sets my book apart from others is the unique way it's told, because not only is it told from my perspective, but from the ex-wife of the man who kidnapped me. I remember you mentioning that on the, on the last podcast that after the assault, you actually connected with the, the ex-wife of the, of the abuser. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. We're really good friends to this day still. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And so is there anything else you'd like to add about your book? You said that it's from her perspective as well. Was that difficult to write or did she co-write with you? She included her own memories of him and their relationship and how it, it's gradual decline and, and her memories of that day and, and how she dealt with it throughout the years too. So we didn't write it together. I, there were my excerpts and her excerpts as well. I see. Okay, so it was kind of like a collaborative yeah. effort. I see. And did you find writing it was really helpful in your healing journey as well? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't start out writing it to publish a book. I started out writing it because I couldn't talk about it. So I just like scribbled down all my memories and my feelings and it just took on a life of its own and became intended harm. Understood. And where can people find this book to read it? Um, the best place is to go to my website, www.intendedharm.com, and they can order it directly from there. But you can find it on Amazon as well. Perfect. And how long did it actually take you to from I, I know that you were jotting down kind of notes and stuff like that, but did it take how long was the process, I suppose, of writing this book? It took a long time because it was so difficult. So I would write for a couple hours and just start crying my eyes out because it was so difficult to to finally put into words so I would put it aside for a few weeks and and try to forget about it but then I would pick it back up and start all over again so the whole process probably took about a year year and a half got it and once again thank you so much for being on this episode with us and being vulnerable with us talking about your story um, and again, I'll put a link to your website in the description so that people can easily find it. With that being said, Diana, I can imagine that many people who have survived sexual assault and domestic violence have asked their higher power questions that were similar to your thought process when you asked God, where were you? How were you able to connect with God again? And what was that process like? Well, questioning God and wondering where he is in the midst of your trauma isn't unusual. In fact, working with women in my support group throughout the years, I've come to realize it's actually perfectly normal to question your faith. And I think that's very important to point out because spiritual people tend to harbor a lot of guilt when they struggle with these feelings. I went through a very dark time where I questioned a lot of things like, why did God allow this to happen to me? Doesn't he love me? Was he punishing me? Does he actually exist? But in the end, I've come to realize that I went through that experience so I could become the woman I am today. 
and a strong, compassionate woman who can relate to other sexual assault victims in a way that someone who's never experienced that can. I think because of what I've been through, I have a passion to guide others toward healing. I mean, I'm an author, an advocate, a speaker, a soon-to-be sexual assault nurse examiner, and I probably wouldn't be any of those things today if that never happened to me. I think that God works in mysterious ways, and I believe he has a plan for all of us. And sometimes, probably more often than not, his plan includes pain. And But I think some people have to experience pain so we can rise above it and become better versions of, our, of ourselves. In my case, I believe the purpose for my pain is to show others that just because bad things happen to you, it doesn't have to stop you from becoming the person you're intended to be. You can choose to put that pain on a pedestal and let it control you, or you can release it and watch it transform you into something beautiful. Thank you so much for highlighting that. And I, I, I really appreciate you pointing out that there can be a lot of guilt when it comes to those thoughts and feelings that we were highlighting earlier. And I think that's important to bring up in terms that it is normal to have these feelings. We talk a lot about all the effects that sexual assault can have on a person. And it doesn't mean they'll be feeling all of those things or, or you know, a majority of those things. But it's always important to, to remind everyone listening and anyone who is out there who might be supporting a loved one that has gone through this trauma that it's normal to have these thoughts and these feelings and have these reactions to trauma. So I really appreciate that, Diana. Johnny, as a crisis counselor at the, v the VSC, in your work with helping others overcome trauma, has religion ever played a big part in healing? Absolutely. Um, one of the most powerful, from a purely psychological standpoint, uh, one of the most powerful tools that a survivor can use in the recovery process is just like what Diana was saying, is making meaning out of the experience. So Diana has been taking what happened to her and making meaning out of it, making something positive and long-lasting out of what happens and that that is a tremendous healing tool and religion provides an opportunity for I don't necessarily want to say preset because it's a faith practice is a very individual thing but it provides I guess a framework uh, for us to use in order to make meanings out of these difficult life events. That makes a lot of sense, Johnny. Um, thank you so much for inputting that. I think that, yeah, making meaning out of an experience such as trauma can be really difficult. And I'm glad that faith can be utilized as a tool in that healing journey uh, through that. Uh, Diana, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your story which is so powerful in every single aspect. And it seems like a particularly immense triumph for you, which fostered a sense of healing, was to forgive the individuals who inflicted the pain 
and abuse you endured. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on restorative justice for other survivors as a component to their healing. Well, Emily, I think that being able to forgive the person or people who've hurt you plays a big part in your healing process. It really is true when they say forgiveness is more for the person that was hurt than the person who needs to be forgiven. Because if you can forgive, then you can begin to put that pain behind you and work towards your own healing. Of course, it helps if the person you're forgiving is remorseful. In my case, the man who kidnapped me is not remorseful. But he was found guilty and sentenced to prison. And I know not every survivor gets that kind of justice. And to those people, I am truly sorry. The person that hurt that hurt them may not get the punishment that they deserve, but that doesn't mean they can't experience their own healing. And would you say it's something restorative justice? Do you think it's something that you would encourage to aid in healing or would you consider it dependent on the survivor's beliefs about what they need to heal? I think it all depends on the individual and um, the journey that they take because learning to forgive somebody that has hurt you in that way is not an overnight process. And um, I mean, each person has to take their healing one day at a time and nobody is going to heal the same way that someone else did. So it all depends on the person, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads to my other question for you, Johnny, because we talk a lot about at the VSC how each client's care plan is very specific and individualized. And we talked a little bit about, you know, how faith has been part of the healing process with some of your clients. But I wonder if we could maybe delve a little deeper about how might faith work into someone's healing journey um, beyond just uh, you know, making meaning out of the experience. Sure. Um, so like Diana was saying, there, there's, there's a number of steps that as, as we're going through the healing process, uh, people tend to go through, um, and religion has a lot of overlap with those things. Uh, so like I mentioned, the making meaning part of one of the big steps for the healing journey is, is finding how to make something positive out of this really tragic experience. Um, and that, that kind of circles back around to uh, that line of questioning about restorative justice. Like how, how do we not just get back to a, a net zero, but grow something even better out of it. Um, and so religion has an opportunity to, to play a powerful part in guiding survivors through that process. Um, it's a tremendous coping skill as well. Uh, when you look at the research, Individuals who engage with a regular practice of spirituality tend to be happier and healthier on average and than those who don't. So regularly engaging in a faith practice, um, whether that's an individual practice or a community involvement, an involvement with a, a church or synagogue, um, 
or Musk, it, it being around people who believe the same things you do, who support you through those trials, having this outlet to your higher power where you can step into that space and share what you're feeling and seek support from a, again, from just a, taking this from a purely secular point of view, um, those things are great for our mental and emotional health and provide an opportunity to discharge negative feelings and invest in those positive ones that really make one life worth living but to provide the fuel and the motivation for going through the rest of the difficult healing process because it is hard it's hard and like diana said it it can be very painful and if you don't have something pouring into you then there's there's not going to be anything for you to use to walk through that and so for for a lot of individuals their faith practice and their religious communities provide a lot of that support um, for going through that day-to-day walk. Yeah, exactly. I totally see what you mean, Johnny. While you were talking, I kept thinking of the word support system. We talk a lot about that in healing journeys as well, making sure you have that support system. So I can definitely see how faith can either be that on an individual level, but also a communal one too, if you're in more of a community-based faith or religious practice. So that makes exactly. a lot of sense. With that being said, Diana, we, you know, we talked a little bit about forgiveness earlier on. I'm kind of circling back to that. If you didn't have your faith, do you think you would have wanted to heal your trauma through forgiveness like you did? Uh, n- no, I don't think so. Um, without my faith... I think I might still be a very angry person. Uh, The thought of forgiving someone who has violated you in that way is almost disgusting to a lot of survivors. Some of them look at it as acknowledging their behavior was acceptable, but you can forgive without condoning. And without the inner peace that I found through my faith, I don't think I would have been able to forgive. I think that's an important distinction too. Because forgiveness doesn't have to mean, like Diana said, that you're condoning behavior that, or that it's in any way acceptable, because it's not. What happened was wrong and tragic and never should have occurred. But forgiveness is about yourself and finding a way for you to move forward in the face of this tragedy, not saying that the tragedy didn't happen. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think I would pose this question to both of you. So either you, Johnny, or you, Diana, how would you actually define forgiveness then? If we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between forgiveness and condoning, right? Um, how would you personally define forgiveness? Oh, oh wow. That's a tough question. Um, for me, forgiveness um, is just something you're taught when you're when you grow up in the church that you're supposed to forgive. So for me, I tried to forgive, but then I would still feel that hurt and, and anger. So I probably forgave about a dozen times 
before I really felt it in my heart that I forgave. And, and to me, forgiveness just means that I let it go. Like I, I no longer dwelled on, I hope bad things happen to him. And, and I started dwelling on um, my inner peace and, and, and his inner peace too. Like I actually would pray for him because I knew that he wasn't remorseful. I knew that the only way he would ever not commit another crime if he were to get out was to be was was if he could find that inner peace as well. So for me, forgiveness means just letting it go, not wanting revenge and just moving forward in my own healing process. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of jump in to extend that a little bit. So when I talk about forgiveness with my clients, um, the definition that I use is it's choosing not to hold somebody accountable for your own healing. And so there's, there's a metaphor that I, I always use going with that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to date myself, but picture I always have in my head is um, like walking along, got the, the 90s boom box, and uh, somebody comes and grabs your boom box and throws it on the ground and breaks it. Now, in an ideal, well, in an ideal world, they never would have broken your boom box, but justice is having them pay for what they broke. And ideally, uh, people would show remorse and the justice system would work as it should. And we would find that those costs are paid by the person who incurred them. But for some things, and, and sexual assault is, is one of those things, even when the justice system works the way it should, even when that pun person is punished, the survivor is still left paying a lot of costs. Now you can continue to wait and try to hold that person accountable. So going back to the boombox metaphor, you can wait until that person buys you a new boombox in order to get one. Or forgiving you choose to relinquish the costs or the responsibility of that costs to that person and pay them yourself. So that in forgiving him, I now get to go out and buy my own boombox. And it cost me something, absolutely, but now I'm walking along the street with my boombox again. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that it is just as Diana was saying, kind of letting go and moving on. Diana, did you have something you wanted to piggyback off of that? Uh, no, I just wanted to say that as simple as that metaphor was, that I liked that. That was that was clever. In kind of uh, switching gears just a little bit here, you know, Johnny, we talk about faith in the United States, and when we do. Christianity tends to be at the forefront. So is the VSC 
open to other religious identities and spiritualities when helping someone heal. Absolutely. Um, and that's part of why I've been very careful to approach this from the perspective of faith practice and what does the research say on spirituality. Like across the board, just any faith practice is going to have positive effects on your mental and emotional well-being. And it is not our place as counselors, as victim advocates, to ascribe our particular worldview or belief system on anybody else. We we are here to support you. And so we we want you to bring your if you have one, to bring your faith practice into the work you're doing with us, because it's it's an additional tool that you're handing us in helping you heal. So that, that you're just increasing the size of our toolbox by bringing your faith into it. But it's, it's not our job to define what you should believe or to um, specify what spirituality or faith you should practice. We're, we're just here to help. Absolutely. And and that leads to my other question, you know, what would you say to an advocate or a counselor who does not share the same faith as a client in regards to supporting them through their healing journey? I think I would I'd say the same thing. I, I really as counselors we're we're coming into this field to help heal people. And it's both our professional responsibility, uh, as well as a moral ethical one, that we are assisting people in walking their own journeys and not in creating those paths for them. Um, so our, our role is to walk with you down whatever role, road you choose to walk. And so for any advocate or counselor, um, I'd say, it's the clients, or for I guess for somebody who might not agree with that particular point of view, and our clients have the right of self-determination. They, they get to choose their own path, and we are only there to support them down that path. Um, two, part of what I love so much about the work I get to do is it brings me into contact with so many different people, so many different stories, um, so many aspects of the world that I would never have encountered otherwise. Um, it's it's just amazing the the variety of people, uh, the worldviews, the perspectives, the experiences that I've gotten to experience vicariously through this work and that has so deeply enriched my own life. And so I'd say two for those counselors and advocates um, who might be struggling with that, this is also an opportunity for, for you to come and understand another point of view, another belief system, another way of seeing the world. And that's only gonna add greater richness and depth to your own experience. Um, there, there is something that we can take away from everybody and something that every client has to teach us as counselors. And so there's an opportunity there that I would encourage you to step into. I love that. And while you were talking, yeah, it just reminds me that how individualized this is 
and how, you know, the role of an advocate is really to walk with them. Um, but at the end of the day, the survivor is the one driving the bus, as we like to say. Um, so thank you so much for delving a little deeper into that, Johnny. Diana, I wanted to ask you if there was a specific Bible verse that has helped you the most through your healing process. Uh, there are many, but um, two verses in particular that always come to my mind when I get asked this question. And this first one is one I actually named my book after, and it's Genesis fifty twenty, which says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And that verse means so much to me because all the pain this man caused me is now being used to help others. And that makes me feel like there was a purpose for that and it, and it wasn't all for nothing. And the second verse that has really helped me throughout the years is uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And this, this verse reminds me to trust God because only he knows what's best for you. And you can't lean on your own understanding of your situation because we can't see what God has planned for us. We just have to trust him. And in the end, he'll make our path straight. Thank you so much for sharing, Diana. I really appreciate that. Um, I like the, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, kind of making meaning out of the experience. And of course, um, we had another podcast called um, Survivor to Thriver. And, and we talked a lot about that process of becoming that person that, that helps other survivors of sexual violence. And I can definitely see how, um, how powerful that must be that you help so many people. Um, out there. So I, I also want to thank you for that as well. Um, Johnny, I wanted to ask you, you know, sometimes faith can contribute to someone's harm or trauma, perhaps maybe from, you know, lack of support from their faith communities after the assault, or perhaps their perpetrator is connected to their faith community. Uh, whatever the reason may be, is it possible for someone to heal from a trauma embedded with faith through faith or find their way back to their faith? Oh, absolutely. Um, which is not to say that that's going to be an easy process. Like Diana said, even when it's not connected with your faith or your spiritual practice, it's completely natural to, for that to be damaged and to question and doubt and when you then associate that trauma with your faith, that becomes much, much more difficult. Nonetheless, as human beings, we have a amazing capacity for healing and recovery, which unfortunately we, we don't talk about as, as much as we, we or as much as I would like to hear in our uh, mainstream culture, but all things can can be recovered if you put in the time and the effort. Um, the the metaphor, and I know I use this in a, um, my I, first 
podcast I participated in, our first episode. Um, but I'm going to go back to that because this really is a mainstay of my practice. The metaphor I always use for, for trauma is it's a broken bone. So for, for sexual trauma or a mental, emotional trauma, that broken bone may be invisible, but it's no rest, less real on its in its impact on you and on your functioning. And on a spiritual level, that's true as well. Um, so if a, a, I'm going to use the word typical um, experience of sexual violence is not associated with your faith, but it still results in a spiritual broken bone. Well, when it's paired with that, it, definitely looking more several compound fractures. Um, and so it's going to take more effort, more rest, more recovery, more healing, but it can be done. Understood. And yeah, I, I remember that metaphor that you used on our first episode. And I, I always think that it's an important one to come back to. It makes a lot of sense and reminds us that it is something that can also be healed as well. So I appreciate that, Johnny. I just have a couple of more questions here, and they're actually for both of you. So whoever would like to jump in, feel free to do so. The first question I have is, how can religious leaders make their congregation feel safe about coming to worship after trauma? Well, I think that they can just talk about it more. So many churches seem afraid of addressing these types of issues, but there are so many people that are affected by it. And maybe by offering faith-based support groups, that's an excellent way the church can make their congregation feel safe after trauma. There are curriculums out there that are very successful. My church utilizes a program called Into the Wildflowers that I've seen to be extremely helpful. Um, it's offered through Restoring the Heart Ministries, and you can go to their website and purchase everything you would need to start a, start a group. That's awesome. I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. Johnny, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, it would definitely piggyback on that. Helping your congregation, um, your community feel comfortable begins before the trauma happens. And so it is so vital that we're having these conversations, um, particularly uh since religious leaders, I mean, it's right there in the title, leader, that your people are looking to you for guidance and to understand just the chaos and brokenness that, that is going on in the world. And when we don't talk about these issues, even if it's just because we don't know what to say. And sometimes there is no, nothing really to be said. Um, it, you could just sit with people in that space. Um, but when we let silence fill that space, it creates a taboo. And that teaches uh, the, the people of your church, temple, synagogue, mosque, uh, it, it teaches people that it's not okay to talk about this thing. 
And that's going to make it so much more difficult for them to come to you for support at this moment in their lives when they need it most of all. So having those conversations, making your place of worship or your faith community a safe space before it ever happens is vital for helping people to come forward and find support for it after it does. But then I think too, um, having specific groups like Diana said, um, is also another excellent tool. So just kind of talking about it generally, but creating a space and an environment for people to specifically come and talk about these things where they know that they're not gonna be alone in that experience. Um, because just sitting in a crowd, uh, you don't necessarily know if you're the only one or if other people have experienced this, even if the religious leader is talking about the subject. But coming to a group specifically for this thing, you know that anybody else coming to this group is right there with you. Um, from a, a group therapy um, perspective, we call that universality. Um, that experience of knowing that other people are in it with you. You're not the only one. You're, you're part of a larger group. And that's a very healing tool as well. Um, and one that you don't, don't even need a advanced degree or a background in trauma to be able to provide. Just create a safe space where people know, hey, I'm not the only one. Definitely. And it really comes down to from your answer, Johnny, it's really building that foundation of healing and that safe space. And I really appreciate kind of like the proactiveness. Um, it has to happen before not kind of becoming a reactionary, just like Diana was mentioning, making those support groups kind of like a proactive way to do that. And just and in my trainings as well, like we always talk about the power of normalizing these really important conversations, because sometimes not saying something is still communicating something and absolutely a lot of the issues surrounding sexual violence and and all of these other um violence and trauma in general is this shame that comes with it and not talking about it just furthers that shame to talk about it which is always really important in healing journeys so so absolutely thank you so much um and, and we talked a little bit about this final question before, but just in case I wanted to revisit exactly what would you say to people who are still maybe uncertain about religion and how it can help with their healing? I would say, um, especially with today's technology, that if you're uncomfortable with going to a church, I would recommend you check out some sermons online and listen to what they have to say and just be open and and truly listen that's a great idea especially right now as we're physically distancing still um i didn't even think of that so yeah i i, I love that we are somehow still really connected <laughs> to everyone so you, so there's a lot of opportunity i might say and again um just approaching this from a non-specific religious perspective, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would encourage people to explore as well, because there, there's 
there's things for us to learn everywhere we look. And the faith practices and traditions that are, are present today have been passed down for thousands of years. And there's absolutely lessons to be learned and that you can take away from every single one of these traditions. Um, so I would echo what Diana said, get out there and explore and allow learning about these things to add some new depth to your own personal experience. Um, I, I personally believe um, that if you seek the truth, it's going to find you. Um, so putting yourself out there and wherever that journey takes you, there's going to be things along the way for, for you to find and treasure and to take with you into your life in the future. Um, but I'd also add on to that um, specifically uh, as it goes in regards to counseling and the healing process, if you're uncertain about it, ask. It is absolutely okay uh, to call up your religious leader, call up a religious leader if you, you don't have one today, call up a counselor, ask these questions. These are excellent questions to have. Uh, nobody expects you to have the answers. Um, so and especially if you're already involved in either counseling or some kind of religious community, I definitely encourage you to, because you already have those relationships, to utilize them. Uh, th myself, and I, I know everybody, all the other advocates and counselors at VSC, and I feel like I can be confident in speaking for most other counselors and religious leaders. We, we get into these jobs because we're looking to help people. And so you just by asking that question, you give us that opportunity and, and we appreciate it. So I'd encourage you to ask and have that conversation. I love that. And, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, how faith can be used as a tool, you know, an additional tool in your toolkit. And I think this could go beyond just faith and in general of just being open to seeing what can help you um, as you move forward and, whether that is faith, whether that's something else, and, and having an advocate being able to support you through that could probably make all the difference. So I appreciate that. Before we sign off here, those are all my questions. Um, is there anything either you, Johnny, or you, Diana, would like to add about the role of faith and healing or anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? I would just like to encourage anyone who's listening to this um, just not to give up because it doesn't matter how long ago your trauma happened and how damaged you think you are there is always it's never too late to get the help that you need and and find find your healing well well said Johnny yeah um I don't think as little as I want to do this, but I don't think any conversation about faith and healing would be complete without acknowledging the fact that, like you said earlier, 
a lot of people have been damaged um, by religious leaders, by um, just people who have utilized their their faith to to bludgeon or harm somebody else. And it, it is, I think, really important for us to acknowledge that that experience is an unfortunately common one. Um, as, as far as relates to this conversation and faith and healing, um, my encouragement to, to those of you listening who have had negative or harmful experiences associated with faith um, in the past, my encouragement to you is that not every, I mean, we are all of us imperfect people and none of us are going to get it right all the time. But there are a lot of people who do gravitate towards a, a faith practice or a structured way of helping them control other people or um, feel superior to somebody else. And, and unfortunately, that winds up causing a lot of harm to the rest of us. But there's so many more people who are genuine and who want, like, like Diana, who want to share this amazing thing that she's experienced and has been so helpful to her in her journey. Who wants to share that with you? So even if it's been damaging or hurtful to you in the past, it doesn't mean that it can't be something positive for you moving forward in the future. And, and that way, again, I would echo Diana, don't give up hope. If that's something that you want to invite into your life, there's a way for you to do so. Ask the questions, go on that journey, and there will be lots of people just like Diana, and hopefully, like um, the advocates and counselors here at BSC who, who want to come alongside you and walk with you in that. Well said, and thank you again, both you and uh, Diana for, for opening that up and, and having this important conversation with me. I think that's a wonderful place that we can sign off. So thank you to the listener for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. Also, if you'd like to read Diana's book, please go to intendedharm.com or you can find it on Amazon. Uh, at intended harm and to everyone listening once again healing is not linear and you are not alone and thank you once again diana and johnny for joining me today you're welcome thank you for having us yeah thank you for having me <laughs>